This is 4H4U2, a podcast from the Mississippi State University Extension Service promoting 4-H programs and positive youth development. Here now your host, Dr. John Long and Kobe Rutherford. And welcome back to another podcast of 4H4U2. I'm your host, John Long. And I'm Kobe Rutherford. Kobe, we we have been sitting here talking for seemingly like an hour to our next guest. This is a pre- precursor to our show. This is our second podcast with Ellen Graves. How are you doing today, Ellen? Doing good. The same as you were about 10 minutes That's ago. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we pretend like there's been some lag mm-hmm. in time anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I wish we'd been recording the whole time. <laughs> yeah. We had some. That's not for people to hear. But <laughs> wasn't anything like bad, but it was just like so not on topic with what we're right. going to be talking about. It today. wasn't research based. But y'all right. are helping make the guest <laughs> no, comfortable, right? So that's part that's right. of it. Just setting right. up right. the uh, the whole thing. So celebrities yeah. and favorite oh, people, yeah, movies, movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all good stuff for yeah, sure. For but sure. you you made mention of uh, one thing. I guess we could lead in with was about okay. your. Your uh, and of course in the South we say daddy. Mm-hmm. So your daddy, go ahead tell us okay, that again because yeah. I thought that was really cool. Four yeah. H connection. So I was telling y'all that like in this job I figured out that Four H is such a great organization to be a part of, and I wish I had done it when I was growing up. I was not unfortunately in Four H, and I totally wish I had been. Yep. But when I got this job, my dad started to regale us of stories when he was in Four H back in the sixties and early 70s and because of 4-H he was able to get on his first plane ride ever and go to like National 4-H convention in Chicago maybe Mm -hmm. and so 4-H gave him that you know first opportunity in his life to get on a plane and so he's always remembered that and he uh, won a lot of contests in forestry especially in 4-H and uh, he just you know he loved it so much and so I think it's cool that I get to work with 4-H now. And, And I said the same thing on an earlier podcast I was not in 4-H. I really wish I had been. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people realize, and I know when I got this job, I think I thought, like a lot of people did, that, oh, it's for kids like showing pigs or cows, horses maybe, but I'm not really into that. Which we do. Right, and that's a very important part of 4-H. You can learn so much through that. But 4-H has something literally for everybody, and I think one of the biggest things that I think of now is the leadership skills that it gives you, public speaking, oh, yeah. those are things I wish I had, I had done when I was growing up, and I wish I had been in 4-H for those things. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we do a lot of promotion on uh, social media with, like, 4-H contests, with 4-H, like, different events. Do you think that one day these uh, 4-Hers will use social media platforms as almost like a resume builder? To go back and say, this is what all I've done? I think that's a cool idea. I've actually never even thought about it that way. But See, here we I go know, again. Look at y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think... <laughs> Write all this stuff down. <laughs> I know, these are good ideas. <laughs> uh, a lot of 4-Hers, I think, do use that um, because you can scroll back and you know to two years ago if you've been on there long enough and you can see... Um, you know, all those posts you, you know, did, whether you were at Club Congress or at the State Fair, Dixie National, and you really preserve those memories. And I think the cool part about social media is that you preserve the memories and that emotion that you were feeling at that time in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back years later, you might feel different about it. But the cool thing is when you scroll back, you remember how you felt right in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really cool thing. 
And, for, and if you think life doesn't move fast, yeah, hey, scroll back. Just that's right. Couple. Preach it. Yeah. Yep, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I think you was talk, talking about your dad when he was on the plane taking that trip to National Forge Congress. And yeah, I thought, well, what, would, what was going through his mind if he had been able to capture that on social right. media? That had been huge to go back and look at. Oh, I know. We, we had a, a lady, uh, I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, she, was, she got to go to D.C., uh, when she was just a young girl on a train, and that was a big, yeah. big deal for her. So it's similar to, you know. Right. Well, <laughs> and I think, too, like, we're talking about my dad back in the 60s, but even nowadays, I mean, kids in 4-H get so many opportunities to go out of the state, oh, see yeah. other parts of the world, Absolutely. meet other kids their age from all over, mm-hmm. um, and you're doing that through an organization that you know and love and trust. And That's so right. I think just the opportunities alone for travel um, is something that a lot of other organizations for youth cannot offer. That's exactly so. right. Exactly right. And I think a lot of kid, youth that are like going to the national contest right now all over the country, I think about what kind of experience they're getting. You know, they right. competed at our state congress and horticulture judging or consumer judging or whatever it was and now they're getting to go to a national trip that mm-hmm. i mean even john you mentioned shooting sports on an earlier podcast You're right. you know what else would take you to grand island nebraska and have a chance to see that part of the world exactly other than shooting sports or you know maybe livestock no, livestock yeah for yeah sure. and i mean mm-hmm. those 4-hers that get to go on those trips you know it helps them understand there's a whole world out there right you know there's so many opportunities and like possibilities for their lives that maybe they just hadn't thought of yet right and so i mean you can't put a price on that you know 4-h does that for kids so i think i don't know it's just awesome and you know <laughs> and then i think that's important too to to remember the um the actual experience because and and we'll go back to our the podcast we had um part one of ellen graves but when information is so readily available i mean look you don't have to climb to the top of everest they got a 360 degree view of everest you know whatever you want to call it i mean everything is right there but if you're not there if you don't sit there and are able to look at the Grand Canyon face to face, you can't really appreciate mm-hmm. it from that mm-hmm. standpoint. And I think that goes through the same for these trips and everything. Oh, yeah, you know for what I'm sure. Saying? Social media takes us to certain yeah. places, but it will it never. It can only take you so far. That's correct, yeah. Ellen, I like how you mentioned a while ago that uh, social media allows us to capture memory, mm. but also an emotion. Yes. Can you elaborate some more on that? Yeah, I wish you would, because I was... I did this, which I'm scratching me, or, or combing through my beard right now. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, I think I get the unique opportunity uh, to see a lot of um, posts out there about 4-H from our 4-Hers, from our volunteers, from their parents. And I think one post in particular really sticks out to me is um, we have a 4-Hr named Savannah, and her mother, we follow her mother, her mother posted um, a collage picture of Savannah when she was just a kiddo mm. going to Project Achievement Day. Yes. And then she posted a picture from, like, years after that where Savannah was wearing a green jacket and was mm. there as a state council officer. And so just, you know, look at that post visually and then see in the caption that mother described the transformation that her daughter had gone through and the confidence mm. that she had gained. I mean, 
I just it makes me look at 4-H and appreciate my job through their eyes. Right. Because you know, I look at a lot of stuff, obviously, from my angle, from a professional angle, from my mm-hmm. work angle. But to see that emotion and that memory through a parent's eyes of her child growing and becoming a great you know, young lady, right. um, that's something that I was able to you know, think about because of social media. And right. so I think that's one example. Was that a good answer? That was pretty good. <laughs> that was really good. I was going to say it's a virtual record book. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a 4-H record book. I mean, it's, you see that progression. Right. And I mean, sure. I think 4-H has done a really good job of um, trying to meet our folks where they're at on social media. So like one of the new things that we've done lately is create a Facebook group for 4-H volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so they have a space underneath our Facebook page where they can discuss internally what their plans are, you know, updates about different things. Um, so it's a virtual gathering space because, right. as y'all know, our volunteers are stretched throughout the state. So this right. is a place where we can use technology to help kind of fill in those gaps. Yeah, and, and we did that on the national team this year, oh, too, cool. as a Facebook page that a parent had started just mm-hmm. for a, for a means of saying, hey, this is where we're at right. and this is what we're doing. That's so, right. yeah, it, it makes perfect sense for sure. And I like all the new components of social media like well, Facebook or Instagram where you can almost go live at a, or you can go live at any place you're at and share your experiences yeah. of what yes. you're doing in that moment. Yep. Yes, and Kobe, give a shout-out to him. He is like a master at going Facebook live, Instagram live. He's like so confident about it, so shout-out to you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the first time I did that, I, I was live at the Livestock Show going around and, and talking to the people before. It's a they, real adrenaline rush, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> it was before they walked into the ring at the, for the championship drive at Dixie or State Fair 1. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, this calf kicked this kid. Oh, and, no. Uh, Drama. And, and, <laughs> the, the no music then, track. Yeah. Then someone let out, you know, uh, a, a descriptive word of that calf. Oh, that yeah. was probably not social media. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I quickly deleted that and yeah. did not share and then started over again. Right. Wow. Got to have fast fingers sometimes yeah, on yeah, social media. Sure, sure. But I do think, like, you know, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, just going live in general you know, gives us the opportunity to be authentic in a yeah. way that we've never been able to do before. Because yeah. when you think about it, um, there's just the structure of media. Um, people, per, you know, obviously place so much emphasis on television because they had the ability to go live. Right. Whereas now that power is also in the hands of everyday people. And we can argue whether that's good or bad, but I know in 4-H we're using it for good. And yeah. so I think, you know, able being able to open up that window to people, um, being really transparent with them is a great tool for us. I've only been Facebook Live one time. Yeah. And it was that. I worry about you sometimes, well, Charlotte. That's no, all I'm we sorry. can do one time. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me get my finger up here. Arthritic. But I was in a tree stand, and I just hit, hit base. I said, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, here I am. <laughs> what do I do now? Some people are more natural at it than yeah. others. Yeah. And, I, just, uh, I guess I'd yeah. like it if I did it more, but I don't. Yeah, practice makes perfect. I feel yeah. like I need to do like a real enthusiastic voice when I do Facebook Live. I'm like, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> trying to drum up some excitement. I know. This is Kobe Rutherford. Well, that's why I like being behind the camera because y'all know my philosophy with the accounts that I manage is yeah. that, like I never want to make it about me, you know, right. like ever, even though I'm the person like behind it kind of yeah. operating it. Um, but that's the funny part, I think, about working with 4-H'ers is that these kids are so naturally inclined to and be not it, nervous in front right. of the camera, whereas people even my age, y'all's age have a you know kind of 
a nerve, you know, nervous element to like going live or getting on video. And so these 4-Hers have really just like embraced it because it's all they've ever known. Right. And so that makes for great social media. So that's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> and no I joke. think it helps them kind of watch their actions too, because yeah. now they know that if right. so, if they do something out of line, that anybody anywhere can flip up a camera and that's video right. them. Yeah. That's and that, right. I think, it's all over the place. Right. And that that's, it, yeah. Like you said, because if something happens or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's a different I don't know. I don't want to say media, but it's a different. But it's a different world because people yeah. have the technology at their fingertips to record anything. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah. And we just—I remember wanting a video camera. And yeah, thing was like it's huge. Right. As, you know, and now it's like in the palm of your, your hand. hand. Yeah, and takes just as good video. It does. Yeah. And what I see is like, and Ellen, please comment on this. Do you see a lot of youth when they they try they're trying to create content, they're trying to put things out there to get likes or make impressions how important are those to a lot of youth and uh do a lot of you take them more serious than they should so i think that's a great point to bring up and honestly you know when you think about it we're still really young in the progression of social media so i know there's a lot of research that has been done that's going to continue to be done about like the effect mentally that social media has on young people um and even people you know our age and I mean, just from from my this Ellen's opinion, my viewpoint on it um, is that yeah, I think people um, do take stock in like how many likes a picture gets because I always tell our four Hers, you know, in my workshops I do with them is that whether you know it or not, you are a social media strategist because like for example, on Instagram. You're thinking about, okay, what picture do I want to put up for my camera roll? What filter do I want to use? What kind of caption? Should it be this kind of caption or should I make it funny? What hashtag should I put? What emoji should I put with it? You know, so people are going through the same thought process because they want that post to succeed, right? Um, If anybody heard the first one, it's called clout. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. You're becoming a social media strategist. I'm sorry to interrupt you. you. No, I had to throw that fine. in there. No, it's fine. And so, um, you know, I do think that whether people, young people admit it or not, they do think about that. And it's funny you should bring this up. I actually saw a headline the other day that Instagram is starting to test and roll out a feature where the likes are hidden from public view. So if you put up a picture yourself, you can see, okay, I got 50 likes on it. But someone looking at it from the public's perspective would not know how many likes and that's an interesting thought because they're saying like they're basically like eliminating like the peer pressure of like oh well 100 people have liked this so so i should too or only 20 people liked it so i'm not gonna like it that's lame you know and so i think that's going to be really interesting um to see if that actually does come you know to pass or if it's just like something they're testing um so yeah so it kind of gives them an idea of like making an informed decision mm-hmm. instead of a snap decision right. based on what everybody else is doing. Yeah, and it's kind of like it, you judge yourself against others. You know, yeah. I could put up a picture oh, of yeah. me and one of my cows, or something. I'm just being facetious here, but <laughs> you know, somebody else could. I'm like, wow, they got more likes with their right. cow than I did with mine. Right. Right. You know, and I, mean, I think that happens more time than not. You know, you you see that a lot. People. Yeah. And it's almost like, I know I catch myself, and I don't know if y'all ever do, but I catch myself saying, what is the purpose of this other than your glorification? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look what I can do. Well, and it's like a weird line for me because, like, professionally, I very much care about analytics. And, like, it tells me certain, you know, things about our audience and about how I can be, um, you know, changing our content to meet the needs of our audience by paying attention to analytics. But then on the personal side of things, you know, I try to not take that with me. You know, like right. I try not to like overanalyze my own personal presence on social media. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, but for professional purposes, it is really important in my job to understand those things. Yeah, I bet it is. 
So uh, how many accounts do you <laughs> monitor? I, I mean, told you I wouldn't get at math, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a piece of paper. I know. Um, I don't know. I would say like a rough estimate is that like I have my hands on probably about 20 accounts. Um, like managing day to day, like consistently, it's probably about 10. But I have my hands, you know, just like in a lot of pots, I guess would be the best way to describe yeah. it. Um, and I generally tell people, like someone actually asked me this in Sunday school the other day, like, you know, what do you do? Because I think a lot of times in extension, our job titles cannot be very, you know, some people just don't understand like what that means. And right. so I told the person, you know, I think about my role in extension is, you know, I create content mm-hmm. and then I also manage accounts and then I also train um, people in extension about how to best use social media. So that's kind of the way I think about it. So yeah, I'm looking at social media every day. So let me ask you this. This is a good lead into my next question. Uh, does Ellen Graves ever unplug totally? <laughs> oh, there's some days where I wish I could just like throw my phone in a river, but then I know I'll just like jump in right after it. Right, but right. Um, it's hard for me to completely unplug. I do try on Sundays not to look at our work accounts. Uh-huh. Um, and then the only time I can really unplug for an extended amount of time is during our Christmas break because that's the only time long enough for like I'm physically not at work right I don't have to worry about it as much right um but you know the thing I tell folks a lot of times I feel like in this job in particular but we all have aspects like this in our own jobs I don't want to sound like I'm the only one like this but you know even when I go home if someone sends us like a question on our 4-H Facebook page at 8 p.m I'm looking at it right you know I'm answering it you know (laughs) and so it's kind of like with my job, you can you can take it with you wherever you go, right. and so I do have to try to step back at times. Um, as we've said before, I did graduate from Ole Miss. There was one time during where we really lost an egg bowl like real bad to state, and I had to put my phone in a drawer. <laughs> so, wow, it was blowing up that bad. Yeah, <laughs> wow. it was bad. And so, but I do try to unplug, um, you know, around the holidays, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty much plugged in all the time. Well, I think, and you said, you know, as, as it is part of your job, um, what advice would you give to a young person in, in order to get a healthy balance? Because I just, I mean, people are with their heads down. I think they're just yeah. going to eventually just get a creak yeah, in their neck and never right. going to look up and look around at the world. Look at the sunshine. Right. right, exactly. So how does a person do that when it's just so available? All I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that we need to have a good balance. Yeah, you're not going to see a sunrise if you're trying right. to Google one, you know. Well, I think I've been really fortunate to have lived before, you know, there was social media. So I can, you know, I had a childhood that was free of a screen, um, that was free of social media. And I'm really thankful for that. Um but at the same time, you know, nowadays that's just this is just the world we live in, right? That stuff is available right. to kids, and so, you know, I think having that balance of having times in your life during just your normal, you know, weekly routine of like, okay, the phone, you know, goes on, you know, the dresser drawer at eight p.m. and I'm not going to look at it after that, mm-hmm. you know. And I think honestly, when you're talking about teenagers and kids, you're talking about their parents, right? Because those are the folks who would be, you know, obviously setting the rules in the house. And so mm-hmm. I think as a parent, you have to say what are our digital guidelines as a family, you know, and you're setting an example for your children, you know, and I think adults have to think about that. Um, But I did talk with our 4-Hers at co-op and we just kind of had just a time where we just kind of talked with each other about what social media is to them. 
And I told them, I said, you know, a lot of adults think that y'all cannot communicate face-to-face. They think teenagers can't look another adult in the right. eyeballs and talk to them. Right. And that they just, you know, phones and social media have put up a barrier. And the kids really, you know, pushed back on that. They said, you know, um, we feel very confident about looking people in the eye and talking to right. them. And that might be because they're 4-Hers, right? They've been, right, right. They, they have I was thinking that. to do that, <laughs> no. right? But the other point, too, they brought up with me is, and I agree with this, is that, you know, teenagers and kids in their mind, when they're texting someone, when they're Snapchatting someone, that is a friendship. That right. is a relationship. It's just in a different way than their parents experience right. friendship. And right. so it's not that they're just in a world all by themselves. A lot of times they're communicating with their friends through those methods. And right. so, um, but to bullet down, I kind of had a rambling answer. No, you do have to have a balance. And right. I think with anything in life, you have to have a balance. One thing that I've seen more and more of late is the ease and I'm speaking for myself, the ease of parents to just give a device to a child, uh, you know, for a, hey, for lack, a pacifier, for lack of better words, you know, and then it just becomes such an addiction to where that child, and I'm not saying, again, moderation in all things, but it becomes just like this, I got to have, I got to have it, I got to have it. And I think that is a danger for sure. And I think, like, you know, I'm not as well-versed in, in that kind of stuff. I don't have kids myself, and so, you know, mm. I haven't had to experience that. But I think the research that folks are doing out there, you know, from this generation that's grown up like this will tell us things eventually right. know, about I how agree. that's affected them in adulthood and all sure. that. And we'll have to look at what that says. But um, what I do enc- encourage parents out there, especially 4-H parents, is that we definitely want you to post about 4-H. Absolutely. And about your kids Absolutely. having a great time in 4-H yeah, because right. uh, it, it's always better. We can shout from the rooftops on our 4-H accounts that we have, but it's going to be way more authentic coming from y'all. Absolutely. For sure. The, 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 the youth tell the story. That's right. And how important is it for them to use the hashtag so you can see what they're yeah. talking about? Yes, thank you, Coach. Ellen always has to remind me I during know, annual conference what the hashtag is. It's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was part of my that. job. Yep. Uh, so hashtag MS4H, no dash. Just all put together. <laughs> and then for extension, it's hashtag MSUEXT. And you might say, you know, why is this important for me to use this hashtag? One of the reasons that I've seen is that a lot of 4-Hers um, or even volunteers and parents will post something about, you know, an activity they've done through 4-H, but not actually mention in the caption that it's 4-H. Right. And so there's this misconception that it's another youth organization you know, out there. And so if you put up your caption and then at the very end just put hashtag MS4H, you're getting that point across to your friends and family that this was done through 4-H. Yes. So that helps our brand grow just from doing that tiny thing. Mm-hmm. And then also just from my perspective professionally, um, it helps me be able to see the amount of posts out there about Mississippi 4-H. Hey, going back to analytics again. That's right. Mm-hmm. It gives me a way to aggregate the content that's out there um, so I can understand what is our audience talking about, what concerns do they have. Um, and I want to make sure that I interact with our 4-H audience through our Mississippi 4-H account. So when you put up a post describing a 4-H experience, I want to like that. I want to, you know, from our 4-H account, I want to say, great job, thank you so right. much. You know, So I want to you know, continue those you know, lines of communication with y'all. And I can only see those posts unless we follow you and unless you're using those Hashtags. Yeah. That was a good enough plug for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I practiced it a couple of times. <laughs> Just use the pound sign. <laughs> you know, that tic tac toe yeah, thing, right. John. You know, you got the square and then they got right. the X and the O. But, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for that. And um, Ellen, we thank you for again for coming in and, and being with us today. 
And um, I, I, like I did in the last podcast, and we'll let you tell us where we can go to get our information on 4-H and extension in your area. Thank you, John Long. Yeah. So, everyone, please make sure to follow Mississippi 4-H on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And then, of course, you can also follow MSU Extension Service, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Pinterest. And then we already talked about the hashtags, so yes. use those. And then, of course, you can look at our website, extension.msstate.edu. We need to bring her in every... Well, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> can we record that? We yeah, record just make that. it standard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No stipend or royalties right, right. for that. Right, so, all right. Well, with that, there's another week uh, of 4H4U2, and uh, uh, your host, John Long. And I'm Kobe. And we will be back next time with who knows what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to be talking about 4H and 4H youth development for sure. Y'all have a good one. Thanks for joining us for 4H4U2. For more information, please visit extension.msstate.edu and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. 4H4U2 is produced by the Mississippi State University Extension Service, Office of Agricultural Communications.